Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Meadowview Weekly Sermon Podcast. We're a church who seeks to grow in Christ, gather in community, and go in obedience to the Great Commission. All right, church, if you have your Bibles, we're going to continue through a series called Responding to God. And uh, Responding to God, we're going to pick up kind of where we left off two weeks ago. We were in the book of James, so you can go ahead and turn to James with me. It might take me a minute to get to James because i got to do some, some setup. Uh, I do want to go ahead and thank Chip for being uh, so smart and for uh, speaking two weeks ago. I listened online. You did a great job. I listened to the podcast. Appreciate you, buddy. Uh, appreciate your heart. Uh, appreciate the fact that you are a man of faith, and I do look up to you because you're older than I am. So uh, <laughs> just by a smidge, but I do look up to you. And uh, I want to thank my friend Paul Davis for coming in last week and, and preaching God's Word. He's a good friend of mine, and uh, always good to hear from him. Uh, what we've said over the last few weeks is that we need to respond to God for his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his love. When we realize that he is good and he is full of grace and mercy and love, there should be a response. And so that response, a proper response, would be faith. So faith is a fruitful, our fruitful response to God's love, mercy, and grace. So I want to I backtrack into where Paul was last week, real quick, in Ephesians chapter 2, where Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus, and he writes these these, uh, this section of scripture that's pretty important for us to get where we're going. Because when we get into James here in a minute, we're going to talk about faith and works. And I don't want any of us to be confused and, and to think that our works uh, justify us before God. I don't, I don't want that. So uh, let me just go back to Ephesians chapter 2 real quick. And you were once dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, that's a great, that's a great one right there, but God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By the grace, by grace you have been saved. That is good news. Amen? We were dead, but God. So let's keep reading. Verse 6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may, may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's this marriage relationship that's going to be taking place this morning as we talk about faith and works. But I want you to understand that it is, it is God who saves. It is God's work raising us from the dead so that we can be alive in him in faith. So our response, our proper response, is fruitful, fruitful faith. So let's look at these real quick. Here's a good rhetorical question. What do dead people do? Nothing, right? They, they do nothing. You were dead. You were doing nothing. But God, God was doing something. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love, made us alive together with Christ. There is a response to God's great love and mercy and grace. Who did the work? God. Okay, well, let's get this because this is going to get really confusing in just a minute when we get to James, okay? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good 
works. There is a proper response to God's goodness, his grace, and his mercy, and it is fruitful faith. In Christ Jesus, there is no fruitful, fruitful faith. That's a hard thing to say over and over and over. Let me just go ahead and tell you. Without the indwelling presence of Jesus Christ by the, by the Holy Spirit. So, our proper response. We are not saved through works, but through faith. A faith given to us when we are made alive in Christ. This faith now at work in us produces good works. It produces fruit. So, real faith always produces fruit. Real faith, genuine faith, always produces fruit. Can I pray for us? Gracious Father, we thank you so much for your word. We ask, God, that you speak to us this morning as we dive in. God, we thank you for what you've done. God, that when we were dead, when we were hopeless, when we were children of wrath, when we were like the rest of the world, you were at work. You were at work through your son, Jesus Christ, making a way when there was no way. And so, God, we we long to be a people who respond to your goodness and your grace and your mercy and your love this morning in a proper way by the power of your Holy Spirit, by the indwelling presence. God, we submit our lives to you in Christ's name. Amen. So, um, real faith always produces fruit. Now, when I was in, uh, in school, and some of you know this, some of you don't know this, I was not a very good student. Uh, I had a learning disability, and I couldn't really pay attention, and my parents didn't put me on drugs, so I just sat there like a crazy person. And there was a couple of things that I was really good at, and it was any time there was like class participation, because I like to, you know, make a fool of myself, and so I would join in, and I would do these things. Well, in biology class, that's a difficult class, biology, uh, there was a couple of assignments that I was really good at, and I could get extra credit. You know, some of those were just buying, you know, cedar chips for the little animals, and I would get extra credit, and that was good. But some, there was these two assignments. One was a bug project. And so I had to go out, and I had to catch bugs, and I had to glue their legs. Anybody else have to do this? I don't know if they do this anymore. I had to glue other legs on these little, these little board, and I had to write down what kind of bug it is. Some of you are like, no, well, you weren't raised in the South, because we collect bugs and get grades on it. Okay, so, you know, I, I get all these bugs, and I put them on there. And there was another one where I had to collect leaves. And I had to go and get all the leaves of the local trees, and I had to write down what kind of leaf it was. So I, I'm wondering if you're really good at, at leaves, like n- recognizing trees by leaves. So there's a leaf. Anybody know what that one is? <laughs> Maple? <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> now you're afraid. You're like, no, he's going to shame me if I say something. Okay, this one's tough. This one's uh, a chestnut, right? That was a chestnut. Um, let's go to this one. Anybody know what this one is? Hey, look at there. Ding, 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 ding. We got an oak. All right, what about this one? Ooh, birch. I didn't know that one either. I didn't really, I didn't retain any knowledge from school. I just did the project, and I was like, there it is. All right, what about this one right here? It's a real picture. Okay, let me tell you something. You need to know what this one is, okay? If you are working in the garden or, or the landscape my wife, and you are pulling weeds, this is one that you need to know what it is, right? This is poison ivy. This is, this is for all the children that are in here. Don't, don't, so you didn't learn anything in, in, in church this morning. You learned what poison ivy looks like, so don't touch it, right? So I, I put this out there to, to tell you, it's hard to, it's hard to recognize a tree by its leaves. It's hard. 
but it's easy to recognize a tree by its fruit. Am I right? Now, if I'd shown a, a tree full of apples, you'd have been like, apple tree! You'd have been all excited, right? We know what it is by its fruit. Um, St. Basil the Great, a 4th century theologian, he wrote in part this, a tree is known by its fruit, a man by his deeds. Isn't that true? So as we talk about this, this relationship between faith and works, oh, there's a lot of things we can say. But when people look at our lives and they want to know what faith is, they're going to look at our works. They're going to, work, they're going to look at see what, what faith looks like that has been given to us through Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 21, we're almost to James. Y'all know how I do this. I've got to set it up. We're almost to James. Matthew chapter 21, 18 through 22. This is an interesting uh, thing that happens with Jesus. In the morning, as we were returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Interesting thing that's happening here, this tree, this fig tree, is full of leaves. And in, in, in Israel and during this time, if a, tree, if a fig tree was full of leaves, then that meant that there was certain fruit on it because the fruit would come first and then the leaves. And so Jesus walks over to get, some, to get a fig off this fig tree, and it's, it's false advertisement. There's nothing there. It's just leaves. And so he curses it. And it's a picture of Israel. Israel has a lot of show. Israel at this point has a lot of religion. Israel at this point has a lot of talk. They have a lot of things that they say about faith, but there's no fruit to show it. And in Matthew chapter 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, verses 15 through 20, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Now, you're seeing this repetition that is taking place in Scripture. Fruit and faith. They go hand in hand. And he says, look, there's, there's false prophets. And when we, when we think about false prophets, we often think about, you know, preachers on TV. They're saying a, a false gospel and doing things like that. But really, it's just false people who speak for God. Fake believers. And he says, you know what? You're going you're gonna to recognize them by their fruit or their lack of fruit. So, James chapter 2, we got there. Starting in verse 14, if you have your Bibles, turn with me there. We're going to read out of God's Word. There should be an ESV near you in the, in the pew if you don't have one. James chapter 2, it's the half-brother of Jesus speaking, writing to a church of believers. He says this, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? 
If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. This is God's word. First thing I want you to see here is that faith is produced as a byproduct of salvation in and through the work of Christ for the believer. Faith is not a manufactured act, belief, or claim to ensure one's salvation or justification. You see, there's a lot of people who would claim that they have faith. There's a lot of people who would say, I believe this, or I make this claim, therefore I must be saved. But faith, as we get into Scripture, is produced in the life of a believer because of what God has done. But God, being rich in mercy, He gives us faith, a faithful response, so we can then be His workmanship. So, this morning, respond to God with more than a dead faith, because a dead faith can't save you. Respond to God with more than a dead faith. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, I have faith, and I have, uh, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Dead faith is made up of a lot of lip service and not a lot of lifestyle. Now, there's a lot that know a lot about God. Maybe even in this area, they've been raised in the church lifestyle. They've been raised in a, a southern church culture. And what's interesting is when we went to Germany and, and we were giving our testimonies, they asked us not to use any, any Christianese language. They didn't say Christianese, but I'm going to say Christianese to you. It's this cultural Christianity language that doesn't translate. So when we would say things like, I'm just going through the motions, they would be like, what does that mean? You're just going through the motions. I asked Jesus in my heart, what does that mean? That's not in Scripture. You've got to really think about all the things that we say. There's a lot of lip service, a lot of things that we've ado adopted into our terminology and verbiage. But is there a lifestyle that goes along with it? John chapter 15, 1 through 8, I am the true vine, and my father's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch that withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. This is interesting. Again, Jesus is talking about abiding and fruit. There is no abiding, there is no fruit, and there is no faith unless it's fruitful. He says, abide in me, remain in me, and you will bear much fruit. You can't do any good works apart from abiding in me. There is nothing you can do in response to God on your own that is worth anything apart from the Spirit in you. Do you understand? This is what he's saying. You are not saved by works. Works is a byproduct of being saved. It will take place. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, he gives this example, and they are lacking in daily food. And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? He gives this object lesson. He says, look, you want to know if your faith is real. If your faith isn't genuine enough to help others, then it isn't genuine enough to help you. He's like, if, if, if the faith and the love of Jesus Christ, the mercy and grace that you've received isn't coming out of you, bearing much fruit, then, then it's not, there's not much there. You're lacking in something. You can do nothing apart from me. In John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Oh, you'll prove to be a disciple if you have fruit, faithful fruit coming out of your life as you love others. He says, love them just as I have loved you. See, loving others as Christ loves is not a response of guilt, but of the gospel. Now, this is difficult. Because a lot of times we will read these scriptures and we'll be like, I, I guess I better do something. I feel guilty. It is not my goal this morning to make you feel guilty about anything. Now, if the Spirit wants to convict you, then by all means. But when we, are, when we feel guilt and we decide, well, I better help someone, or I better do something because I don't want to feel guilty, really all we're doing is making ourselves feel better. But a response to God, responding to his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his love is a response of the gospel. It's the good news that is in you that can't be contained. I wrote this, the reaction of guilt is self-motivated to make you feel better about yourself. A response to the gospel is motivated by Christ's overwhelming love in us that can't be contained, but must be shared. He says, look, church, this is what James says. If you want to know if your faith is real, here's an object lesson. Are you responding in love to those in need? Or are you just responding with good words? Second thing is this. Respond to God with more than a delusional faith because a delusional faith can't justify you. Got to have more than a dead faith? You have to have more than a delusional faith. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? This delusional faith is a demonic faith. Demonic faith is intellectual and emotional, but not relational. These demons, they have a belief and a knowledge, and they're even emotional, and they shudder at the name of Jesus, but they don't have a saving relationship with Jesus. And so this is, this is one of the accounts where Jesus encounters a, a demon in Luke chapter 4, 33 and 34. 
And in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. You see, a lot of times we are more focused on intellectual gain and emotional experience than we are having a true relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, that was, that was a good service. I learned a lot. Man, that was a great service. The hands were up. People were screaming and shouting. This would be if you're Pentecostal. You know, they were running the aisles. I mean, it was a good emotional experience. I mean, I welcome it. I, I would love to see the faces of true Baptists be like, what is happening in this place? But sometimes we, we're so focused on intellect and emotion that we look for the next experience, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. But are we looking for the transformation of Jesus Christ living in and through us on a daily basis? Responding in faith, fruitful faith. See, demons have a right belief and they have a wrong behavior. James warns his church that believers can have a right belief and a wrong behavior. James warns his church that you can know who Jesus is and still go to hell. You see, a wrong behavior is evidence of a wrong faith. Maybe you have faith in something else, but yet you claim to have faith in Jesus. A delusional faith accepts rebellious behavior because information about God is more important than transformation of behavior. Now, the thing is, when we have a delusional faith, we tend to live in sin. We tend to live in, in rebellion to God, and we tend to do things that we think, well, that's not, that's not a big deal. And we're more focused on knowing who God is, having that emotional moment, than we are on him speaking to us with a still, small voice, directing us by his word, convicting us of the sin that's in our lives, and saying, hey, genuine faith, real faith, it's more than words. And it's, it's more than just knowing. It's actually abiding. And if I abide in you, you will bear good fruit. But if you abide in sin, you will find yourself being diseased. You will find that you're not bearing fruit. You will find that life is going down a path you hadn't intended. So, wrong behavior is evidence of a wrong faith. Here's the last one. Respond to God with a demonstrated faith because demonstrated, a faith demonstrated is the assurance and evidence of a conviction or a connection with God. So, verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. This word, faith, it's the assurance. 
As Hebrews would say in 11.1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. This word assurance, it's a compound word that means under and to take a stand. It means that there's a foundational thing that you're willing to take a stand on, that you're willing to, to be all in on, to make an action on. Now, one of the best things about summer is going to the pool, right? It's one of the best things. And if you're a dad, you, you, have, you have this awesome responsibility to teach your children how to swim, right? Now, I just chunked them in there. Like, let's see if they float. You know, let's just see what happens. You know, and, uh, you know, my wife was like, ah! And I was like, ah, oh, bubbles. And we get them out, right? So, um, you know, you, just, you try. Now they can swim. It's great. But there's those moments as a dad where you got into the water, and your kid stands on the edge, and you do this. You all know what I'm talking about? Jump to me. And they say, no. You, ah, oh, come on. Do you trust me? Jump to me. No. But I, saw, I thought you trust me. If you trust me, jump to me. I trust you, but I'm not jumping. Faith and works. At some point, God the Father is standing there saying, do you trust me? Then jump. And we say, oh, I know you're God. I believe that you're one. I love you but I'm not jumping. Faith, apart from works, isn't really faith. There has to be this assurance of things hoped for. There has to be this moment of, I'm going to stand under the authority of God, and I'm going to take the leap, the leap of faith. And then, then James says, let's, let's just look at Abraham. Let's look at Abraham and what he did. Abraham, he, he demonstrates this simple obedience. And you're like, simple God asked him to kill his kid. That's not simple. Well, don't confuse that. I mean simple by the fact that he knew what God wanted him to do. How many of you have ever been at a point where you're like, and you, maybe you've said this, I, I'm just, I'm really trying to seek what God wants me to do right now. I'm the only one. That's awesome. Okay, good. Let me ask that question again. Have you ever been to a point where you said, I'm just really trying to figure out what God wants me to do right now? That's much better participation. I woke you back up. Good. Abraham didn't have this confusion. There wasn't this, I'm just, I'm just out here counting the stars trying to figure out what God wants me to do. He wasn't doing that. He knew exactly what God was calling him to do. And simple obedience is so difficult because oftentimes what God has called us to do is the very thing that we don't want to do. And we have to say, okay, I'll jump. So little did he know but he packed up the horses and he packed up the donkeys and he got his son and he took all the wood and they carried it up on top of this hill and he was going to sacrifice his son. But God. But God being rich in mercy. But God being full of love and grace said, hey, stop. I provided a lamb. Do you think Abraham had any clue that his simple obedience was going to be a picture for generations to see the love of Jesus Christ? Sometimes our simple obedience, doing exactly what God has called us to do, is a witness to this world of how great God's love, mercy, and faithfulness truly is. Will you jump? Will you, will you have faith that produces works? You see, in Hebrews, I love this, verse Chapter 11, verse 19, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. 
And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. It truly was a picture of Jesus Christ giving up his one and only son so that we could have life. What a beautiful picture of obedience. Faith responds in obedience. And then he goes on with Rahab. Rahab the harlot. Wouldn't you hate that to be what you're known as? Can't get away from it. Rahab? You mean the harlot? Oh, yeah, I know her. Rahab demonstrates true repentance. She was a prostitute. She was a sinner. Everyone knew it. She wasn't one of God's people. But when she was converted, she acted in a way that showed a change. True repentance. Rahab, when she knew that she would have faith in God and he was producing something in her, as hard as it was, she showed a complete change. I don't want to be a part of this people anymore. I want to be a part of God's family. And when I, when I move from this to a son or a daughter of God, the way I live changes. Can't have a dead faith. Can't have a delusional faith. You got to have a displayed faith. Showing that I have moved from here to here. Here's the good news. Some of us, we know that there's sin in our life. And, and we're, we're living delusional. We think that we can accept that sin and, and claim Jesus Christ and claim salvation and live however we want. We're, delus- we're, we're delusional. Some of us, we, we've, we've gained so much information and knowledge over the years that, oh, I don't have to do anything anymore. God is saying, demonstrate your faith. Show. Show that you love me. In a response that you were dead and now you're alive in Christ. There has to be a change. Rahab demonstrates a clear change. Faith demonstrates our obedience, and faith demonstrates our, that our lives have been radically changed. Church, this morning, you have a chance to respond in faith. It's not just lip service. It's lifestyle. Many of you know that there's things in your life that shouldn't be there. You've talked a really good game for a while. Here's my question. Will you come to the point where you submit to the Lord? Will you come to a point where you fall on your face and say, I'm sorry. I've been delusional. I've been disobedient. And I want to follow you. Some of you need to make the jump. Some of you need to say, you might be in here, you might have been in church your whole life and say, I don't even know if I really know God because I've never seen fruit in my life. And at the end of service, I invite you to come talk to me or Pastor Al or Jonathan. Please come talk to us. We'd love to talk to you about that. But will you respond with more than lip service? This week, will you respond with a lifestyle? Let's pray. Thanks for listening. It is our prayer that this message has helped you grow in your walk with Christ. Please subscribe to hear new sermons each week.